Well, as we continue our series in Colossians, we come up to our sixth week out of eight. So we're rapidly coming to a close, but there's still a lot of meat left. So have it open, please, to chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your word and for your love for us in Jesus Christ, that you have brought us from death to life. And so we pray that as we figure out and work out how to live your way, give us wisdom and understanding as we come to your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, This Is Your Life was a documentary TV show that hit Australian TV sets from about 1995 to 2005. Now, in this show, the presenter goes and surprises a celebrity, brings them into their set, and sits them down and surprises them with all these different interviews from families and friends and neighbours about their lives. These interviews bring about different aspects about their life, different stories and the impacts that they had. Now, here in chapter 2, verse 20, since chapter 2, verse 20, Paul has been giving us this treatment. He sat us down and told us, this is your life. But it's not so much about what we have done, but about what has been done for us. So, friends, this is your life. You have died with Christ to sin and to the things of this world. So, does this mean that it's absolute free-for-all? Can we go and do whatever we want? Can we go and indulge in every desire that we wish to do? No, there's more. This is your life. You have died with Christ, but you have now been raised with Christ. We have a new life in Christ, which means a new way of living. So therefore, Paul tells us to seek the things above by taking off and by putting on. Now, if you were here last week, you'll remember that we saw that we are free from the super spiritual things and that we are free from the super religious things. We don't need them because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have the thing which lasts. Now, instead of chasing after these things, Paul urges the Colossians and us to look for the things above, to keep on looking to Jesus. So look with me from chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So then, seek your hearts on, or seek or pursue after Jesus. Above all things, above all people, above all experiences, above all religious practices, above everything in this world, Seek after and set your hearts on Jesus. We can so easily set our hearts on other things, can't we? We can so often set our hearts after worldly things like comfort 
or control or consumerism or our individualism. The world tells us to think about ourselves first, to go after your own desires, to go after the things which will make you most fulfilled or make you whole. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we are already whole. We are already completely fulfilled. We have a brand new life. Our old self has died with Christ in his crucifixion and our new life is raised in and through Christ through his resurrection. Remember, this is what baptism symbolizes. It's so cool that we have a baptism this morning to point this out, that we have died to ourselves and our sinful nature. We should remember as we go under the water that a death has occurred and that as we come up from out of the water, remember that we have brand new, restored, risen life. Because this life that we live right here and now is not all that there is. But we have the glorious reality of the eternal, renewed, restored life in Jesus. Paul describes this new life as being hidden with Christ in God. And this means uh, two things. Firstly, it's invisible to the world. Uh, last time I checked, you all don't have big signs which say, I have new life in Christ over the top of your heads. Uh, it's invisible. We aren't floating around on a spiritual high. We haven't yet been raised. Our life in Christ can't really be physically seen. But secondly, it also means that our life is secure in Christ. Our life is tucked away in him. It's hidden in him, which means that no one or nothing can take it away from us. Our life is absolutely secure in him. You know, it's a bit like putting a precious family heirloom or a big ingot of gold in a deposit box in a big safe in a bank. Not that I'm speaking from experience at all, but from what I've seen from Hollywood. You know, it's hidden away, it's safe, it's secure, no one else can touch it until maybe some bank robbers get to it. Uh, but no one will be able to rob our lives in Christ away from him. Nothing can take us from his hand. Not even death can take us away from him. Our lives are hidden in him. And if you remember from chapter 1, verse 5, we are waiting for the hope that is stored up for us in heaven to be shown and revealed. And while we wait for this, we can have the full assurance that we belong to him, that he is our life. Not just a section of our life, not just a part of our life here, over there. No, he is our life. If you were to take Jesus out of the picture of your life, what would it look like? What would it look like practically? I can tell you what it looks like spiritually. If we were to take Jesus out of the picture, we would see a big, fat, flat line. No pulse. No life. Without Jesus, we are dead in sin. But since he rose again, he's restored us and given us brand new life. And when he comes again, which he will, this brand new life will be gloriously shown off, completely revealed when he comes again. Our future 
is secure. So then we don't belong to this world, we aren't owned by the world, we don't even own ourselves, but we belong completely and utterly to him. So then since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts and minds on the things above. We ought to make our status in Christ the guideposts of our life right now. In all our thinking and in all our decision-making, we ought to consider and bring our will into line with his. His will above our will. His ways above our ways. Our desires are to be shaped by his desires. Our attitudes towards each other and towards the world are to match his attitude. Love for his people and compassion for the world. And this can be really hard. Because our minds can so easily drift, can't it? You know, if you've been in a, uh, in a primary classroom, you know that kids can get so easily distracted. It only takes a loud car or a loud motorbike outside or another teacher to walk in the room and everything breaks loose. Their focus drifts completely. Uh, scarily, when driving to and from Brisbane, I can find that my mind can drift while driving. So much so that I get to the bottom of the range and I think, gosh, that was very quick. I thought I was back at Gatton. But our faith and our mind can drift from the things above to this world so easily. Because our life is still hidden with Christ, it's easy to lose focus and let our eyes drop from the things above to the things below. The everyday mundane of cooking, of cleaning, working, driving, shopping and trying desperately to convince your child to go to sleep for the 15th time tonight can drag our eyes constantly downwards. And so we need constant reminders of our life in Christ. That's why things like weekly gatherings here are so important. That's why small groups and and serving can help us set our eyes and minds on the things above. They help reorientate and remember who we are in Christ that then helps us set our lives on him because we've been raised with him. And so this new life should also lead to a new obedience, a new way of living that matches up with our life in Christ. And so we do this by taking off the old and putting on the new. Putting to death the old practices and practicing the new life. So look at me from verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Paul is being pretty clear here, isn't he? Put to death the things that belong to the earthly nature. Why? Because they don't belong to the new life that we have in Christ. They don't align with it. They don't match up to it. So kill off whatever belongs to it. Don't live in the ways that belong to the old. Out with the old, in with the new. The old ways lead to death. The old is corrupt. The old is destined for judgment. The old is not good. We've been saved from the old, so don't go back there. 
you know, if you have a bottle of old milk that's gone sour, do you mix it in with some new stuff to make it good again? No, you chuck it out. If you have a, a bag of old chicken that's slimy and smells really bad, do you mix it in with the new stuff? No, you chuck it out and wash your hands thoroughly so you don't make yourself sick. If our old self was stained by sin and destined for judgment by God, should we mix it in with the new or dabble in it? No. Paul says, put these practices to death. Don't try and manage it. Don't let it stew on the back burner. Get out the axe and chop it down. Get out the stump grinder and make sure it doesn't butt again. Because in Christ we have all the fullness. So there ought to be no room for these things. No room to be greedy, to serve our own desires and gratify them. And this is hard. We live in such a sex and lust-filled culture that screams at us to go and do whatever feels good. Go and do whatever fulfills you. Don't let rules hold you back. Love is love. But God says that he has rescued us from this world. So then have nothing to do with these things that belong to the old self. Put to death any sexual activity outside of marriage that is between one man and one woman. Put to death any lustful fantasies or desires. Put to death the greed of chasing after what we want and craving more stuff and craving more experiences, and, but rather desire what God wants. Get out the axe. Because this is serious business. How we live our lives and what we do with our bodies matters. Our world may say, be free. But God says, you are mine. Be mine. Our world may also say that boundaries and restraint in this area can leave someone unfulfilled, maybe not reaching their full potential in life. But with God, we are completely and utterly fulfilled. With God, we reach our full potential. And his ways and will for how we live and express ourselves offers so much more freedom and joy than the world could ever imagine. His will is good. And his ways are good. And he is a holy God and will come again to judge. His judgment is the natural outworking of his holiness against sin and unrighteousness. His anger at sin and the distortion of creation is completely justified. So if we find ourselves in these things, or tangled up in lust and in greed, remember the seriousness and danger of it. If you're anything like me, you have no problem recognising the weight of sin. Sometimes it can feel like Groundhog Day, repeating the same cycle again and again. 
If that's the case, feel the weight, but don't be ashamed. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come to God, acknowledge your sin, confess, knowing that he isn't waiting to judge you, but to shower you with his grace and mercy. And then think about ways that you could take an axe to the old self. Perhaps it means finding someone to keep you accountable. Because these ways belong to the old self. You used to walk in these ways, in the life that you once lived. This is no longer your life. They no longer have any life or power in us because Christ has put them to death. Out with the old, in with the new. Uh, But there's also more that we are to rid ourselves of. It's not only what we say and what we do, it's also what we say and think, what our attitudes are. So look with me from verse 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Uh, Recently, it seems like everybody that I've spoken to has had mould go through their house. Uh, And so if you've been cleaning your house, you usually use products which have the warning label, warning, keep out of reach of children. And they also usually have the really tricky, twisty lid, which I find hard to get off. You have to be really intentional in getting it off. They do that because the contents are poisonous. And in verse 8, this list can be poisonous to us as God's bodies together, so keep them out of reach. If people are angry, if people are rejoicing in each other's misfortune, gossiping about others behind their backs, and if we are lying to each other, this community won't be a place of love, but a place of distrust and will fall apart at the seams. So then, keep them out of reach. Lock them away. But if you have been this way towards a brother or sister in the past, I want to also urge you to apologise and repent. And then come together to celebrate our unity and forgiveness in Christ. But this is also for us on our front lines. These things ought to have no place in our lives when we're with friends, with family, with our colleagues, in the queue for a coffee, which is taking a little bit longer than you thought, in the doctor's waiting rooms, wherever we are. Because once again, these things belong to the old self. Notice, this is past tense, you have taken off the old self. The old self belonged to the world, but we took it off when we came to Jesus. It's usually in the summertime that the AFL and NRL have their drafts and various contracts change. And what usually happens is that a player can transfer from one club to another quite seamlessly, even in intense club rivalries. You know, they change owners, they change tactics, they change allegiances, they change practices. Uh, When they take off that Cowboys jersey and put on the Broncos jersey, everything changes for them. Out with the old, in with the new. Now, when we turn to Christ, we change owners. 
from ourselves in this world to him. When we turn to Christ, we change tactics from living our way to living his way. We change allegiances from living to the praise of the world and others to living for the praise of his glory. We change practices from doing what pleases us to doing what pleases him. We took off our old jersey, our old self that was polluted, stained, decaying, and put on the new one that is clean, fresh, and being renewed. So look with me back from verse 9. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. See, friends, we have put on the new self, the new jersey, that's being grown and shaped and cultivated in the likeness of Jesus. We'll see more about this next week as well. But the new Christian life isn't just one of being saved and then putting up our feet and sitting idle. It's one of constant growth, of growing in closest to God, in growing in the knowledge of God, in growing in intimacy with God. And how do we attain these things? Well, by verse 1 and 2 by setting our hearts and seeking after the things above, not the things of this world. There will be times when our faith seems to be growing in leaps and bounds with great life and vitality. Praise God. There will be times when this growth and renewal seems so far away, where the old self seems to have far too much of a say. We struggle to put the things of it to death. If that's the case, keep on looking to Jesus. Call on him to help you grow closer. Talk to him. Talk to a brother or sister here, or if you're joining us online, drop a message in the chat, and we'd love to pray with you. Because it's out with the old, in with the new. There are no barriers between us and God and no barriers between each other because we have all died and have all been raised with him, one in Christ Jesus. So then, seek him above all things. Set your minds on him. We won't always get this right. We will stumble and miss the mark, but that's okay. We aren't saved because we're perfect. We're saved because God is loving and kind. He has saved us through Jesus. He's given us new life through his death and resurrection and will come again to make us perfect with him in eternity. But in the meantime, as we live this life, we are called to live it for him. This is how the great reformer John Calvin puts it. Therefore, let us not cease so to act that we make some unceasing progress in the way of the Lord, and let us not despair at the slightness of our success. Only let us look toward our mark with sincere simplicity and aspire to our goal, not fondly flattering ourselves nor excusing our own evil deeds, 
but with continuous striving towards this end, that we may surpass ourselves in goodness until we attain to goodness itself. The old self has died. The new one in Christ Jesus is here. So set your lives on him. Let's pray and ask God to help us with this. Loving Father, we thank you that you have rescued us from death to life, that you have given us brand new life in Jesus, and that our life is hidden and is secure in you. So, Lord God, as we wait for your return, help us to live faithfully. Help us to take off the old, to put it to death, and to constantly put on the new. Lord God, where there are areas where we need to cut off, Lord, please help us. Please show us. Lord God, where there are areas where we need to grow in putting on the new, Lord, please correct us. That we may live lives which reflect you and your glory and your purposes. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.